I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start and current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week, we jump as high as we can before crashing down on the episode of NXT that originally aired on October 9th, 2013. And let me tell you, the fear I see when I look in Bob's eyes makes me believe this episode is one of a kind. Yeah! Welcome to episode 21 of The Next Wrestling Fan, a podcast of fights and feels. Last episode, Sami Zayn used confusion and it was super effective. <laughs> this episode, we get some storytelling in the women's division, the debut of a guy who you should definitely care about because he played football once, and of course, Bob's introduction to the whole fucking show himself, Rob Van Dam. So exciting. We will hear all about that in Bob's breakdown, and we will also hear about the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling before diving into the wrestling term of the week. And as always, we will finish up with another edition of the Cheap Pop Quiz. But first, here are the answers to last episode's Cheap Pop Quiz. We are uh, currently in our third round of quizzing, which means Bob is looking to earn her third romance novel bonus episode. She needs 10 points. She has four. Let's see how she did. Question number one. Next episode's main event features main roster superstar and modern wrestling legend Rob Van Dam. Who is his opponent? Is it A, NXT champion Bo Dallas, B, Sami Zayn, C, Alexander Rusev, D, Aiden English, or E, C.J. Parker. Bob, you selected C. Rusev, and as you know now, you were incorrect. It was D. Aiden English. To be fair, who would have seen that coming? Nobody. Literally nobody would have seen that coming. <laughs> I question whether creative saw that coming. <laughs> question number two. Next episode also features yet another appearance from El Local. But once again, he's a little bit different. What's happened to him between episodes this time? A, it's actually him and not Sami Zayn pretending to be him, which is to say he's gone back to being the same version of El Local we saw lose to Zayn two episodes ago. B, he's decided to wrestle without a mask and has changed his name to Ricardo Rodriguez. C, he has unmasked, but instead of wrestling, he appears as Rob Van Dam's personal ring announcer, Ricardo Rodriguez. D, he has teamed up with a guy named Tyson Kidd to form Los Locales, or E, he suddenly gained a bunch of weight and gotten super tall. Uh, Bob, you couldn't help but choose that one, E, which I can't blame you for. After all, who would have guessed that it was C? He is uh, Rob Van Dam's personal ring announcer, Ricardo Rodriguez. Oh, wow. I did not realize that. I only yep. just now. That is El Local. Uh, actually, much better known as Ricardo Rodriguez because he was doing that on the main roster uh, than he ever would be as El Local. So. Mm. And question number three. Next episode, you will finally witness the debut of Mojo Raleigh, who is probably best known for his friendship with a popular celebrity in the world of American sports. Which celeb is Mojo best buds with? A. Former Cleveland Browns quarterback Johnny Manziel. B. Retired New England Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski. C. Champion hockey player Alex Ovechkin. D. Olympic swimmer Ryan Lochte. And E. Former American women's national soccer team goalie Hope Solo. 
all of those individuals known for uh, having a few drinks after the game and mm-hmm. uh, going to some parties. Bob, you selected C, Alex Ovechkin, and unfortunately, you were incorrect on this one as well. The correct answer was B, Rob Gronkowski. Ah, okay. So I skunked you on that one, Bob. Uh, It's been a while since I did that, but uh, still four points for you. (laughs) Yeah, you got me this time, Miles. You got me this time. (laughs) Let's get into Bob's breakdown. There's a Rob Van Dam package before the episode proper starts. Mm-hmm. That music is fantastic. I, I wanted to music. stand up, dance, and then leap from the top rope onto anything. The song is One of a Kind by Breaking Point. I cannot tell if it's objectively good or not, but it would not be wildly out of place on the Queen of the Dam soundtrack, and that is good enough for me. <laughs> Match one, Leo Kruger versus Antonio Cesaro, so they can get some narrative closure for their scuffle during the first annual Bo Dallas Invitational. That's right. This is another music point, but look, fuck we the people, but that theme song for them sounds like it belongs on part of the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack, and I kind of like it. Yeah. And I I hate that I kind of like it, but... I just really love a sweeping musical score. The music is good, I have to say. I still hate the fucking Gadsden flag, the whiny snake flag every time I see it. The throw bread on me flag. That's right. Something about aggressive bagpipes. It's just good. So anyway, the crowd is amped up for this. Cesaro is so amped up that he just flies at Kruger with a kick once the bell goes. And he rips Kruger's shirt off, yells, shut up at the ref when the ref tries to get him to tone it down. It's a strong start. Yeah, it's funny because like it seems like ever since the Zane feud, which was kind of like a slow boil into this like utter hatred. Now Cesaro is just like, oh, you fucked with me once. Kill you. Kruger dumps Cesaro out over the top and then follows him around the outside, periodically dribbling Cesaro's head on the apron. He (laughs) even uses the ring curtain thing. Yeah. There's a name for it. What's it called? The ring skirt. The ring skirt. I would just describe it as the little modesty drape to hide what's under the ring. (laughs) You know, in case the ring is very sensitive about, I don't know, how many chairs it has under it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you don't want everybody to see all the shit under the ring, right? No. It is like going, okay, where can I put some extra stuff? I know under another thing. That's right. So Kruger uses that ring skirt to choke Cesaro for a second, which notably Cesaro has to hold on to it a little bit to keep it from sliding (laughs) off. Cesaro does battle back and jumps on top of a prone Kruger grinding his heel into his neck. He gets Kruger up for two attempted suplexes that Kruger manages to foil, and then Kruger just plants his legs and suplexes the shit out of Cesaro. Mm -hmm. And during this one, one of the commentary guys fucks up. He asks why Bo Dallas wouldn't let them compete in the Invitational. And Alex Riley saves him and says, it's not that Bo Dallas wouldn't let them fight. It's that they took one another out. And he does it in kind of a soft way. So it's not like, what the hell, dude? But are fumbles on commentary common in wrestling? And are they more or less common than in traditional sports? Because I do not watch any traditional sports, nor would I know if they had fumbled commentary. Traditional sports announcing is an entire field of study. Like these shows take place in full sale, which is basically a school to train like sports announcers and like sports journalists. Now, I would say 
announcing fuck-ups are much more common on like lower levels of traditional sports. As someone mm. who once was tasked with doing a radio halftime show of a college football game between Northern oh. Arizona University and the University of Arizona and oh fucked my. it up so badly that I was never allowed to do it again. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I can tell you, there is some fuck-ups happening on the lower levels. And NXT is kind of the equivalent of that, because these announcers are also learning their craft. Tom Phillips is now, like, an actual... I believe Tom Phillips is now the announcer for Raw. So, like, Mm. he's moved up in the world. You know, Riley not so much. But, like, these people are kind of trying to own their skills so they can go up to Raw and SmackDown and, like, not fuck up as much, you know? Yeah. Um, But fuck-ups do happen. It's also much more difficult in WWE to um, do your job well than it is in um, traditional sports because what's usually happening, especially like on the main shows, is that you've got a headset on and Vince McMahon is yelling in your ear telling you what to say and what not to say. Oh, no. Um, So it makes the job very difficult. They do fuck up, you know, occasionally. Um, I've heard way worse fuck-ups than this. And in fact, next episode... Oh, no. Next episode, you're going to hear some some way worse fuck-ups than this. Good to know. So Cesaro gets Kruger in the corner and does his big sweeping uppercut that floors Kruger... He climbs the ropes for a move that Kruger spoils, and then Kruger suplexes him off the top. We also get to see Kruger fly through the ropes at Cesaro on the outside. I feel like they're wrestling differently with one another than they do with faces. They throw each other in and out of the ring. They use the whole performance space. It just looks a little different. I wondered if you thought it looked a little different. The interesting thing is that Kruger is wrestling this match like the babyface. Like the way the way this match is set up, the story of the match is that Cesaro keeps hitting him and hitting him and hitting him and can't keep him down, which is a very babyface thing to do. I think that ah. um, it kind of goes that way more as the match goes on, whereas at the beginning, I do think you see a little bit more of like they're both kind of trying to hurt each other in more heelish ways. They're kind of doing like a very an extremely condensed version of the thing they did with Zayn, which is that like they don't like each other. They're fighting around the ring a lot. They haven't really earned this sort of like blood feud that they're apparently going for, (laughs) uh, but they're wrestling as if they do. And then, you know, Cesaro obviously ends up winning the match, but Kruger looks really good in the process, which is exactly the same thing they did with Zayn. It seems to me like they're just trying to get Kruger over in the same way that Zayn got over just in a far smaller space of time to mixed results. <laughs> Cesaro suplexes Kruger on the ramp and leaves him there like a half squashed bug. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a gut wrench suplex, by the way. Oh, so when name. you got the when you kind of wrap your arms around their waist and then like use their waist to lift them, that's a gut wrench. And you can like gut wrench suplex. You can, there's a gut wrench power bomb. There's a few different kinds of gut wrench moves. And in this match, it feels like they're really testing each other out. Cesaro sets up the neutralizer and Kruger reverses it, throwing Cesaro over him onto his back. Cesaro softens Kruger up with a chin lock to try and choke him out, which doesn't work. But it does get Kruger weak enough that Cesaro can finish him off with that neutralizer they tried earlier, and he gets the pin. At one point, Kruger is just spitting up saliva because he's being choked, and it's gross, and I hate I noticed it. that, too. When Cesaro's got him wrapped around him with a chin lock, yeah, he's just, like, letting the spit dribble out of his mouth. It was nasty. I guess Shouldn't good do acting, that, Kruger. But- coronavirus watch your hands match two charlotte comes out with bestie bailey and she's gonna wrestle santana garrett but santana doesn't get an entrance so we know how this thing is gonna go Mm -hmm. 
Also, fucking boo that the squash match is the women's match. Fucking boo to that. But it is plot stuff time. So Sasha and Summer come to ringside to sarcastically clap and cheer for Charlotte. Charlotte wins the match and Bailey ambushes her for a sweet hug. That was very lovely. Then Summer grabs the mic after the match to tell the women's division to watch their backs because they're going to run this show. And then Paige comes out to attack, but it's two against one. Paige is being beaten in the center of the ring by Sasha and Summer Rae. And then Emma runs out from the back to save her goth GF, which made me very happy. Couple things about this whole segment. First of all, I'm not doing a whole thing for it, but we are ringing the bell softly for Santana Garrett here. She will be back and a much bigger part of NXT in the future, but it's not going to be for like three years. So, okay. Uh, don't expect to see her again in the near future. Also, Bob, I wanted to know what you thought of the fact that Summer Rae and um, Sasha came down to sort of sarcastically cheer slash heckle Charlotte um, because. The storyline is setting up Summer and Sasha versus Paige and Emma. So I'm wondering why you thought they did that, like what you thought the point of that was. I actually thought that the point might have been that they are courting Charlotte, like trying to get her to join their bad girl gang. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I know that doesn't come from any place of reality. That Mm -hmm. just seems like, okay, you've started this evil coven. Right. And now you have to expand it. You can't just leave it at two. That's not the triple goddess thing. You have to have three witches. (laughs) The evil coven, which now explicitly has a name. Oh, Uh, yeah, the BFFs. The BFFs, the beautiful, fierce females. There you go. Yeah. Well. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's an interesting theory. And, uh. Shout out to this segment of NXT. I understand it was the squash match, but hey, seven women on TV during one segment. Kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was nice. And then we get a package about Mojo Raleigh. You can't see it, but I'm doing a shrug. That's yeah, that's that's the whole that's the tweet, as they say. He claims his thing is being hyped. Guys, I'm looking directly at the mic. I'm about to sit backwards on this chair. It is definitely not his thing. <laughs> his gimmick is actually the white guy who owned a dojo in the mall next to the store that sold tie-dye and statues of wizards in 1994. <laughs> That's who Mojo Raleigh is. And I don't know whether Mojo Raleigh is ever going to accept that about himself, but it is 1000% who he is. That truth bomb aside, <laughs> backstage, Summer Ray and Sasha get an interview where they challenge Paige and Emma to a tag match. So yay for that. Yeah. Match three gives us the debut of Mojo Raleigh against Danny Birch. I'm guessing this is going to be another squash. Danny Birch gives him a challenge. It's very brawly because they're both sort of just very strong chunks. Mm-hmm. So they slam each other around and then Raleigh jumps above a prone Danny Birch and dunks his ass down on Birch's chest, which is apparently a finishing move. Yeah, so that move was the finishing move of a wrestler named Earthquake um, back in the day. The difference is that it made more sense for Earthquake because Earthquake was like 400 pounds. Whoa. So like when he jumped and sat on you, you would believe it that like you're not getting up. With Mojo, it's more like his offense is butt related. I noticed that. He did also do a butt slam. Yeah, spoiler alert, we're going to talk a little bit more about Mojo Rawley's butt in a later segment. But Mm. am I crazy that he does not stay hype? Like, that's not just me, right? Like, he did not stay hype for that match. No, uh, he did not. (laughs) But I also cared so little that it didn't matter. That's fair. Backstage, 
Paige and Emma tell messenger boy Tony Dawson that they accept this match and it's going to go down. And then they do some cute back and forth dialogue with Paige saying she's going to win, though, because she's the champ. And Emma's like, not for long. And yeah. it's, it's so adorable and flirty. And I need this fanfic. It's so and they, cute. They were bickering a little bit before they came in to tell them about the challenge, too. Paige was like, I didn't need your help. And Emma was like, sure, looked like you did. Mm, actually, side note on this. I'm wondering if this means that they're going to lose the match because they're not on the same page. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, and I was not trying to pun on Paige's name, although it did work out that way. Oh, I like it. I like it. Yeah, but no, that's that's a very astute observation because, you know, not being on the same page is a thing that happens to tag teams in wrestling to cause them to lose. So. Match four, the Legionnaires. Scott Dawson and Rusev come out. The Titantron has finally been updated. Yes. It now looks like an ad for the world's grossest casino. It's a lot of gold and money with LaForce face on it. It's real yep. terrible. Yep. Big Cass and Enzo come out. The crowd is super into it. And when the match starts, pretty obvious that Rusev and Cass are evenly matched. And yeah. then Cass tags in Enzo, as he does. Enzo throws himself at Rusev, who just catches him like he's a tiny lap dog. And then Dawson gets tagged in and is beating Enzo into the mat and goes for the pin, which is interrupted by Cass kicking him. And Rusev is like, no, I don't care for this. Matter of factly, marches over to Cass, who's standing on the apron and just clocks him in the back, knocking him off of the apron. Rusev then takes over, runs at Enzo in the corner to slam his butt into Enzo and then do his finishing submission move, which Enzo taps out to. And then they do it to Cass, which just seemed rude. I mean, yeah. Miles... Are Enzo and Cass faces? Yes. At this point, what? they absolutely are. I feel like my whole world has been turned upside down. I didn't realize that they were faces. <laughs> I thought they were just really shitty heels. I mean, the crowd is super into them. And they are, but... They're feuding with heels and like that tag team turmoil match too. Like they were really... They were given a big baby face kind of spot in that one where they like almost won, right? But then the heels beat them up afterward. And that led to this match, so... But there's such shitty babies i, know. I ugh, okay they are faces now they are going to be faces for the foreseeable future i don't even know how to continue for this <laughs> <laughs> what i'm sorry i thought you had already realized and made peace with this i'm sorry that you have to realize it now well you know what okay i'm gonna set this aside okay i'm gonna compartmentalize yeah push it and down. move Just on push it down yeah, I'm a professional. I can keep going. That's right. I'm not a professional. No, but, but neither of us are professionals by any means. No. Backstage, it's Renee and Sammy, which is always a delight. Yeah. And they're talking. That's not really the point. The point is that Bo Dallas shows up. Right. Dressed like a shady funeral director. <laughs> to say that Sammy's actions really hurt his feelings. Bo Dallas shows up cosplaying Roger Stone. <laughs> This is the best Bo Dallas I have ever seen. He really is like a being from another world. He offers Sammy the option to become a tag team and win big together. And Sammy agrees. Yeah, that would be pretty great. He shakes Bo's hand and then says, yeah, let's do that right after I beat you for the championship. And Bo pulls his hand back in disgust and deep, overwhelming betrayal. I'm starting to love this version of Bo Dallas, actually. Dude, Ever since he, like, really started leaning into this character, 
his work has been phenomenal. The fact that we hate him so much and he's so like slimy and oily and like bad at being human, he's embraced that and ran with it. And it's really working for me. It is. It's so compelling in a way that previous Bodalis had that go away heat. And now I'm sort of like, no, come back. Tell me more about what life is like on your planet, Bo. Yeah, hold on. You're not asking me to cheer for you. You actually want me to like think of you as a complex, interesting, deluded character. Okay. Yeah, it's very appealing. I'm so glad that they did this and that he is just overwhelmingly committed to it. His commitment to it is really what pushes it over the edge into like being good. When he delivers that unbelievable, (laughs) like his delivery of that line is perfect. I laughed out loud at that. And I do not frequently laugh out loud at what I'm seeing in a television show. That's just not a thing I do a lot. That makes me sound like a very sad person. (laughs) Match five. RVD. Okay. Aiden English gets to fight this guy. Yeah. What? How hard are they pushing Aiden English that they give him the main event just a few weeks after his debut and then to give him a main event against somebody who has real, you know, name recognition? It's a very strange spot and a very strange decision. And I don't think there was ever any doubt in anyone's mind that Van Damme was going to win. But I was very surprised to see English as his opponent. It wasn't a squash match because English got some offense in. I don't know how much of a push it is. It seems like such a huge step up and a weird step up from jobber squash, jobber squash. Now you're fighting RVD. Like, yeah, the reason I'm hesitant to call it a push is because it doesn't feel organic at all. And because I don't think like Van Damme's not sticking around long enough to be in like a feud with him. So Mm. it really feels to me more like, hey, we've, you know, kind of like we've talked about before the main roster guy showing up. Hey, we've got Van Damme for this episode. Like. Who are we going to put him against? Okay, well, we know he has to win because he's a main roster guy. So we don't want to put him against Sammy. We don't want to put him against Bo. So uh, this guy, you know, we'll 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 make him kind of look good in the Van Damme match and we'll let Van Damme win and the crowd will be happy. That's my thought. Well, the crowd is honestly pretty into to Aiden. Um, yeah, I don't have an answer for you on that one, to be honest. I'm I'm very confused by it. I think maybe confusion is probably the only real response to it. But yeah. it was interesting move. I kind of appreciate that they did something that so unorthodox, perhaps. I loved his song at the beginning. Possibly his best work. Now, Bob, before we get into this match. Yes, we haven't done this in a while, <gasps> but uh, I do have a trading card here. Yay! I now have two trading cards. (laughs) I think you have three. Do I? Yeah, because we did one for um, Paige, I think. And then we did one for um, Zayn and Cesaro. Oh, okay, cool. So this is your third trading card. Oh, man, I'm rich. And of course, it is a trading card about Rob Van Dam. So before he was a pro wrestler, Rob Van Dam was a trained kickboxer and martial artist. He actually made his first appearance on WWF television back in 1987 as an audience plant for a segment involving the million dollar man Ted DiBiase. And he made a few appearances in world championship wrestling in the early 90s, but he came to prominence and eventually stardom under the auspices of extreme championship wrestling, ECW. 
Uh, check out episode 13 of The Next Wrestling Fan for more information on that promotion. Toward the end of ECW's original run, as the WWF and WCW were constantly signing away ECW's top stars, RVD became one of their most popular and important wrestlers, staying with them pretty much right up until ECW folded in 2001. Wow. He then went to the WWF, where he essentially perfected the character he would become known for, a laid-back cool dude who didn't expressly smoke pot, but definitely smoked pot. <laughs> I could smell it when he walked in. <laughs> he basically kept doing this character for his entire WWE career, never really growing or evolving at all, because the character was never really what drew people to Rob Van Dam. It was his dynamic wrestling style, a combination of high-flying athletic moves and martial arts strikes that contributed most to his popularity. He could do a different character if you asked him to. There were a couple of really great, like, fired-up, excited RVD promos that he's really good at doing, but the WWE really never asked him to do that. They really just asked him to be the laid-back, not expressly pot-smoking, but definitely <laughs> pot-smoking character. In 2006, Rob Van Dam finally reached the top of the mountain, holding the WWE Championship and the newly reinstated ECW Championship at the same time. WWE was in the process of creating their own version of ECW, which turned out to be both cringeworthy and short-lived, and RVD was meant to be the centerpiece. Unfortunately, he actually does love pot, <laughs> and shortly after becoming champion, he was arrested for drug possession. Aww, boo, let him party. <laughs> he was suspended for 30 days, and when he came back, he lost both his titles in short order, and by 2007, he was out of the company. Aww. Van Damme spent the next six years competing on the independent circuit, most notably a run in Total Nonstop Action Wrestling, or TNA. At the time of this episode that we're watching, he had actually just returned to WWE in July 2013, and on the main roster, he had recently been feuding with a wrestler named Alberto Del Rio, one result of which was Del Rio's personal ring announcer, Ricardo Rodriguez, defecting and becoming Van Damme's personal ring announcer and number one amigo. Whoa. There is much more to talk about regarding Rob Van Damme, but we will do that when we ring the bell for him down the road. You will not be seeing very much of him in NXT, but I highly recommend checking out his earlier work because he is outstanding. My brain is just stuck on this phrase now. It's like Schrodinger's bong. <laughs> just the idea that he's like, he's not a pot smoker, but he is a pot smoker, but he's not a pot smoker, but he's definitely a pot smoker. It helped that in ECW, he kind of explicitly was a pot smoker. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. He. Uh, so have you heard the phrase, um, the Stone Cold Steve Austin catchphrase, Austin 316? Yes, I have. The Austin 316 says, I just whooped your ass. Oh, um, okay. In ECW, Rob Van Dam had a phrase that went, RVD420 says I just smoked your ass. So uh, ECW much more tolerant of that kind of thing than WWF and WWE uh, were and are. So, you know, everybody kind of knew who he was. Everybody kind of knew he liked weed. <laughs> <laughs> and it was never expressed, but like his promos were really just like, oh my God, you're high. Like you're so high whenever you talk. That's delightful. I mean, he's got a bunch of yin yangs on him. I... 
Yeah, yin yangs and dragons. I don't think that comes from a deep regard for, you know, certain Eastern cultures. I think it's more like, what is the accoutrement of the pot smoker during this era? His tights are basically the uh, the tapestry that your, like, pothead friend, your stoner friend, like, has up covering the, the windows in his room, you know? Yeah, a powerful sense of memory of that. <laughs> God, what does his singlet smell like? <laughs> We may never know. So, guys, Rob Van Dam is just a joy to watch. I don't know why. He just is. You just have to kind of watch him. He's just that interesting. He's got a really unique wrestling style. He doesn't wrestle like anyone else ever. Yeah, I was kind of going, oh, you're something different. I haven't seen anybody do what you do. He's got a weird body shape and like he's He's just kind of a fire plug. Short, powerful. Yeah. The only thing I could come up with to capture what he does is that RVD's approach is sort of parkour almost. He just moves however is appropriate to the situation and it doesn't ever look especially rehearsed or planned. It just looks like, oh, I trust that my body will do this in this weird way and it'll work. He's very fluid and he's athletic enough that everything he does really like comes across. His style is almost, I would describe it as like languid in a way Mm. where it's like, it's not fast necessarily, but it's really like well-timed and precise and his movements, you can tell he's got that body control sort of similar to what Neville has, but yes, there's less intensity and more just like beautiful to watch him. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is like watching seals swimming underwater. It's just incredible control and precision and swirling movements, but also not especially hurried. Yeah. It's just graceful. Yes, it's graceful and there's not really any haste. We are five seconds away from writing haikus about him. <laughs> so English is relying on the ref a lot to create distance between them. But every time RVD gets his hands on English, it's just so cool. He leaps up onto English's chest and then rolls back using his legs to just catapult English straight up into the air and over him. Yeah, monkey flip. Yeah, I thought that might be a monkey flip, but I wasn't sure. And then he does a standing moonsault to take out English, which also looks amazing. And -hmm. it doesn't really work for more than a few seconds. English starts actually running from RVD around the outside of the ring. And then he slides back in. And when RVD follows, English kicks the ropes up between RVD's legs for a low blow. Yeah, variation on the classic heel run around the ring and then take advantage when they're chasing you into the ring move. Yeah. So, Miles, I don't like the low blow as a plot device or beating the match because it is treated either as a minor inconvenience or a match ending deus ex machina, (laughs) which makes it feel so weirdly inconsistent. It's like, which is it? Right. Thoughts about low blows in wrestling and their sort of place? When I think of the low blow, honestly, the first person who comes to mind is Ric Flair. One of his nicknames is and was the dirtiest player in the game. And so, like, he did a lot of that kind of shit to, like, distract the referee and then use a low blow, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. But the thing about Ric Flair is that he never needed to do that. Like, the infuriating thing about him was that he was such a good wrestler that he could just legitimately beat people. But he took shortcuts anyway because he was a terrible person. (laughs) So... I like the low blow in that context where it's used to show that this wrestler who doesn't necessarily need to use it as an advantage is going to do it anyway because they're just a dick. 
I think it frequently gets overused. There's a trope that involves like a lot of time you'll see women, you know, kicking using yeah. a low blow against men. Like they'll come in, the referee will be distracted, and then the referee will turn their back, and then they'll kick the guy in the the balls or whatever. It, it, yeah. It's, you know, I don't know. It's a part of wrestling grammar. I don't like it when it's just like I use a low blow and then like instantly win the match. But I do like you know low blow, which believably allows you to set up a better move and then you win the match. Like, that's fine by me. Okay. Um, recently, it's been a favorite tool of anybody who wants to beat Brock Lesnar. Mm. <laughs> it has been observed that one of Brock Lesnar's major weaknesses is that you kick him in the balls, <laughs> which is kind of delightful. More of that, please. Also, very effective turn move. Like, when you turn heel, if you, oh. like, turn heel on your buddy by kicking him in the balls, very effective. So the low blow sets up English to suplex RVD and then lock him around the neck. Naturally, RVD struggles out of it and kicks English in the forehead. And RVD does rolling thunder, which is a somersault. He jumps up a little bit and then somersaults down across his opponent's midsection. Yeah, it's like a double somersault where the first one is him moving across the ring toward you. And the second one is him landing on top of you. Yeah. He follows it up by leaping so lightly up onto the top rope. It was like (laughs) watching Adrian Neville. Except mm-hmm. a little bit more, as we were talking about, languid. Yeah. RVD does a huge leap at English for a splash, and he lands with so much momentum that he actually bounces off of English and across the mat, yep. having to scramble to get back into position to pin him. Miles, I think I love RVD. I want to invite him to every party I attend. I want to go to the zoo with him. Is he He's- lovely in real life? I mean, as far as I know, he absolutely is. I've never heard anything about him not being a nice guy. He's also like funding a lot of cannabis research right now. He's very into pot, like to the extent (laughs) that he has like set up a foundation or something to fund research into its medicinal properties. So yeah, Van Damme is, is really cool. I've never met him personally, but he seems to me to be a really nice guy. And I've never heard of anything problematic about him. Yay. Cool, Bob. Uh, Thank you so much for that breakdown. Tell me what you thought of this episode. I mean, obviously, RVD. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I wasn't wild about the combination on commentary, and I felt that the commentary kind of clouded the thing for me a little bit. It's not great. Because, I mean, it's not like William Regal is a home run every single time he's on, but he's not this. Do you know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed the commentary more on my second watch through as well. I also could have dealt with a little bit fewer pin attempts in the Cesaro Kruger match. That felt a little draggy to me at some points. Okay. But that's it. Everything else I was pretty into and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed where the plot is going and I am interested in seeing where this thing goes because this has gotten... We've got some plot to hang on to now. They really did some some women's storytelling in this one with Summer and Sasha against Paige and Emma and also like Charlotte and Bailey were there, too. So there's some stuff going on there. We've got the advancement of Bo and Zayn, which their championship match is happening on the next episode. Enzo and Cass and the Legionnaires, you know, kind of like continue to do their feuds. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of moving parts here. A lot of a lot of continuation of stories, which I appreciate. Yeah. All right. Well, with that in mind, let's go into the sights, sounds and feels of pro wrestling. Megan Bob, for this episode, what did your elf eyes see? My elf eyes saw Renee trying so hard not to laugh when Bo says, Unbelievable! 
<laughs> with complete straight face and indignation. It's beautiful. I would have cracked up. I don't know how she does it. She bit her lips. I could see it. <laughs> Miles, what did your elf eyes see? So hashtag butt watch. But um, watch. But watch. So Mojo Raleigh comes out wearing his uh, his little panty trunks. A couple interesting things I noted about these. First of all, they are blue with yellow lightning bolts on them. Yes. Which is interesting to me as a football fan because Mojo Raleigh is a former NFL player who played for the Arizona Cardinals and the Green Bay Packers. At no point did he play for the San Diego slash Los Angeles Chargers, which is what that color scheme and that symbol directly evokes. Like their stuff is like lightning bolts on blue. So I'm not sure why that's a thing. Maybe he's a big fan of them. I don't know. That's the only football song I know is what the is? San Diego Chargers song. That's oh it. Oh my God. It's uh, a oh shit. Diego. Super, Super Chargers, San Diego, Super Chargers. <laughs> Their disco hit. Yeah, that's it. That's the only one I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's uh, he's from Virginia, so I don't know why he's a Chargers fan, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> anyway, and then on the back, it says, stay hype. Or say hyped, it actually says, which is grammatically correct, and I appreciate that. <laughs> but then it's weirdly in, like, not entirely brackets, but in, like, little quarter brackets. Like, there's an invisible square around the word. <laughs> a text box? Yeah, it's like a little text box. Like, a. it's so weird. I don't, like, why is that there? Yeah, it also looked, to some extent, hand stenciled. <laughs> it really It did. didn't look crisp. It looked like this was an at-home <laughs> job. <laughs> All right, Bob, what did your Vulcaneers hear? My Vulcaneers heard Paige saying, I'll hurt you, Emma. And Emma going, yeah, that's not going to happen. It was so cute. I just, they're, they're bickering. I'm so here for it. Miles, what did your Vulcaneers hear? Enzo's like spiel is like still evolving into its final form at this point. Oh like his, his opening spiel. Okay, I guess but I should prepare myself for that. Prepare yourself for that. But this time what he does is he says, my name is Enzo Amore. And I've never heard him do this before. My name is Enzo Amore, and this right here, this is, and then he points the mic at the audience and waits for them to yell Big Cass, which, mm-hmm. like, three of them do? Oh, no. And not because they don't like them, but just because, like, they weren't expecting him to do that. Yeah. <laughs> and then Enzo says something like, I feel like it's cheers in here, guys. <laughs> which I thought, I was like, where does that joke come from? And I guess, well, I guess the cheers, everybody knows your name. Oh my so God. It, I, that must have been, it's such a weird, dumb joke. <laughs> I, I just, it stuck in my head. It had the, it had stickiness with me. I love it. All right, Bob, what did your human heart feel? I think you know. I do. Rob, fan. Damn. Oh, dude, guys, she did the thumbs pointing at her own head. I did. I didn't know that's what I would feel, but God, that's what I feel, Miles. I feel it so much. I need to watch more RVD matches. The only other time I felt like this about a wrestler who we saw for a minute was whenever you told me that Sheamus and Cesaro were in a tag team. Like, that's very compelling to me. But yeah. All right, Miles, what did your human heart feel? I really enjoyed the Bo Dallas Sami Zayn interaction, and I just wanted to, like Sami Zayn is such a wholesome character. And, yeah, like, you remember back? It was like our second episode of coverage when he like made fun of Cesaro's man purse, and it felt so out of character, and we were both taken aback by it. Yes, and he really has gotten away from that. And like he even says to Bo, like Bo, like a lot of people don't like you. 
I personally don't have a problem with you. I just want the championship. <laughs> and, and his reaction when Bo tries to distract him by like suggesting they form a tag team is like, yeah, sure, man. That sounds great. After I take your title. Yeah. Oh, man. I had so many feelings about that. I might have enjoyed that piece more than the RVD match just because it was so interesting. Their interaction was fantastic. He was great. And Dallas just acting legitimately hurt that Sammy would trick him like that. And yeah. as though he He's the victim as though he hasn't been going around talking shit about Zayn and explicitly banned him from the Invitational. Did you catch the face that Bo Dallas made whenever Sami Zayn said, you know, a lot of people don't like you. Yeah, I did see that. You, what? Me? That's a blatant lie. I don't know why you're saying this. It's so great. They say the best villains believe themselves to be the heroes of their own stories. And Dallas is just really, really running with that. He's so good. All right, well, those were the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. It's about time to move into the wrestling term of the week. But first, we need to hear Bob's fanfic, which is about uh, last episode's wrestling history of the week involving the olden days of women's wrestling. So, Bob, what do you got? The ring was set up in an empty field by a small stand of trees, and almost everyone in town was crowded around it. They yowled and screamed through the matches, throats going hoarse, booing the champion from a distant territory. The main event was why everyone came, though. It was her. She was famed for taking down a man three times her size with a single hit and finishing them with a kiss. Everyone wanted to get a look at her to see what she could do. And then Miss Piggy stepped into the ring. (laughs) There were cautious jeers and hoots. I'm sorry. I cannot hear you over how ugly your town is. Have you ever heard of decor of chic? What is the name of your little village anyway? Garbageville? (laughs) The crowd bristled, coming alive with shouts for her to shut her snout. She waved her hand dismissively. I'm sorry. I only listen when beautiful people, people like moi, are talking. But, she held up a finger. I'll fight any of you sissy babies that wants to go. A dollar to anyone who can last five minutes in the ring with me. A large square man climbed into the ring with her, laughing down at the far shorter Miss Piggy. And then he suddenly stopped laughing when the field rang out with a cry of Hi-ya! as he got a chop to the chest that winded him and a kick to the stomach that sent him over the top rope, thudding to the ground. Cute! Now who else wants a piece? I love it so much. That was perfect. <laughs> so now I feel lightheaded because that voice. Whew. Oh, my God. You did a great job. I can absolutely see like Miss Piggy as an old school like Mildred Burke, you oh, know, fuck uh, yeah. female wrestler back in the olden days. I didn't actually mention Mildred Burke in the, the wrestling history of the week last time. But God, she's awesome. Anyway, thank you so much for that, Bob. I loved it. Who gave you the idea to do Miss Piggy? David Waters. Oh, of course he fucking did. Yeah. That beautiful peach of a person, David Waters, gave me that idea. Thank you, David Waters. Thanks, David. That was fantastic, Bob. Thank you so much for that. Well, now we will get into this episode's wrestling term of the week. And the wrestling term of the week is... Rematch Clause. Okay, so you've just won a championship in WWE. Good for you. But now that you're champion, what happens next? Well, the traditional answer is that you have to fight the former champion a second time. What? And that's that's because of an idea in pro wrestling called the rematch clause. It usually only applies to championship matches. And as always, it's not the most consistent thing in the world, but it plays a big role in how pro wrestling works to a majority of fans. 
You know how sometimes for championship matches, you'll see the competitors come out to the ring for a contract signing? Yeah. Well, even when we don't actually see the contract signing, all championship matches are implied to have a contract enforcing their quote-unquote legality. (laughs) In other words, both parties agree that the title can change hands during a match, and both parties agree to abide by the rules of a championship match, which, as we've discussed, are slightly different from those of a normal match. And another part of the often hypothetical contract that we only occasionally see Mm -hmm. is the champion's rematch clause. In the event that the champion loses their title, the rematch clause entitles them to a rematch to try and win the title back. In other words, the former champ is automatically the number one contender. Oh. If they lose a second time, they go to the back of the line with everybody else and the champion moves on to new opponents. From a narrative storytelling standpoint, the rematch clause essentially exists to legitimize the new champion in the eyes of fans. After all, anyone can in theory get lucky once, but if you can beat the former champion again, you've proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that you deserve to hold the title. Yeah, that makes sense. The rematch clause is usually invoked quickly, often at the very next show, so the new champ gets their first title defense out of the way and is free to move on to a feud with new challengers. And while it's not always invoked for every title, it's invoked often enough that many fans have come to think of it as an unofficial rule of wrestling. The former champion or champions always get a rematch that they will almost certainly lose. It should be noted that about a year ago, WWE loudly announced that rematch clauses would no longer be a thing, presumably in an attempt to address criticism that they kept running the same two people against each other in Mm. matches over and over again. Of course, rematch clauses as a concept were hardly the problem there, but, you know, it's Vince. Um, Mm. The funniest thing about it, though, was that even though rematch clauses were supposedly gone, WWE just kept writing stories where the former champ got a rematch against the new champ anyway, just for different reasons. So rematch clauses were still kind of there even after they had been explicitly removed. Now, not all promotions use the rematch clause, and it's not always an explicit part of a given storyline, but since we're watching a WWE product for this show, don't ever be surprised when a new champion's first opponent is invariably the same person they just defeated. Okay. That was your wrestling term of the week. Make sure you come back next episode to hear Bob's fanfic explaining the rematch clause. We are coming to the end of our time for episode 21, but of course, we can't leave without the cheap pop quiz. Yeah, maybe I'll get a point this time. Maybe you will. Let's find out. Question number one. Next episode, we get another changeup in the NXT announce team. What is it? A. William Regal is back, but instead of replacing Alex Riley, he has joined him in a three-man announce team. Uh. B. William Regal is back. But so is Renee Young, and this time, she's on the announce team for the entire show, not just for the women's match. C. William Regal is back, but now he's in the Tom Phillips, Tony Dawson play-by-play role with Alex Riley on color commentary. D. William Regal is back, but he's calling the whole show by himself. Or E. William Regal is not back, and instead we get the commentary debut of Byron Saxton. I'm going to say it's William Regal and Alex Riley because I don't think Alex Riley could handle the play-by-play very well. I think all he can probably do is color. So your answer is C. William Regal is back, but he's doing play-by-play with Alex Riley on commentary. Question number two. Who cuts an incredible career-defining promo on the next episode that will define their character on WWE television for years to come? Is it A, Tyler Breeze? 
B. Corey Graves. C. Sasha Banks. D. Sami Zayn. Or E. Nobody. There are no promos on next week's episode. It is actually just wall-to-wall wrestling matches for the entire hour. I'm going to say Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze. All right. And question number three. Next episode's main event is the long-awaited NXT Championship match between Bo Dallas and Sami Zayn. And I will spoil it very slightly by telling you it's a very good match. Oh, okay. That does not end without controversy. Oh. Who wins and how? A. Zayn wins. But due to controversy, the match is restarted and then Dallas wins. B. Zayn wins. But due to controversy, the match is restarted, and then he wins anyway. C. Dallas wins, but due to controversy, the match is restarted, and then Zayn wins. D. Dallas wins, but due to controversy, the match is restarted, and then Dallas wins anyway. Or E. Zayn wins, but due to controversy, the match is restarted, and then Dallas wins, but due to controversy, the match is restarted again, and then it ends in a draw. You've hung a very shiny apple for me in the form of E. <laughs> and I cannot resist it. Oh, you're taking the apple. I am. I hope it's not poisoned. I bet it's probably poisoned. <laughs> All right, E. Zayn wins, but due to controversy, the match is restarted. And then Dallas wins, but due to more controversy, the match is restarted again. And then it ends in a draw. Oh, that's such a bad answer. I should not go with that, but I'm going with it. All right, we'll come back on the next episode to see how Bob did on this edition of the Cheap Pop Quiz. I think that's all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. It's always fun. And I got to meet RVD. You did get to meet RVD. Rowan, stop kicking the... (laughs) All right. Full disclosure, my son is uh, in the room for this particular uh, outro. So if you hear uh, strange noises, that is why... We make lots of strange noises here on this podcast. We make them it, into microphones true. and they are recorded and broadcast uh, throughout the world. And we are only able to do that really because of our supporters on Patreon. So uh, thank you so much to everybody who has gone over to patreon.com slash NXT wrestling fan and uh, thrown some money our way. Very much appreciated. We've been trying to do good things with it, giving it to good causes. Yeah. Uh, and If you do go over to that website and give us a little bit of support, one of the things that you get is a wrestling name. Yes. And uh, entrance into the Next Wrestling Fan Wrestling Promotion, or NWFWP, as I like to call it unofficially, uh, (laughs) because that's extremely awkward and there's probably a better name for it. Anyway, I'd like to welcome our newest signees to that particular wrestling promotion. Our first signee is... Alexander Grass Dragon Corbett. Ooh, that's already a very compelling name, Miles. Yeah, no, I know. That's the name that came in on Patreon, and that is an extremely compelling name, especially the Grass Dragon part. I didn't want to just steal it and copy it, though. So I like started thinking about what that name said to me, what the Grass Dragon said to me, and it said to me, like, if you're a if you're a dragon, you know, and you're in the grass, you must be some kind of stealthy hunter type, right? Like a, mm. like a real Shere Khan type, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, I made a, a connection to wrestling history because there was a very famous wrestler named Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And that Steam- is a hell of a name. All right. He was awesome. He was very, very big in the 80s. His real name, incidentally, his real surname was Blood. Wow. So we're going to pay tribute to that. Byron Blood... <gasps> oh, some real high goth energy. Yeah, Byron Blood is a uh, what we would call a striker, right? One of those wrestlers whose thing is that when uh, when he 
<laughs> yes, thank you, Rowan. When he like hits his signature kick or signature punch or whatever, a signature strike, it's just like over. There's no getting up from that, right? Oh, I love it. So that's the kind of wrestler that Byron Blood is. Very quick, very uh, shadowy. Like in backstage segments stuff, it's <gasps> always like sneak attacks and you never know where he is. Because like Grass Dragon also made me think of uh, Yusagi Yojimbo, probably because there's a Yusagi Yojimbo story called Grass Cutter. But Ooh. Yusagi Yojimbo is like a samurai story. So I'm very much like getting these like kind of sneaky, stealthy murder with one shot. You never see it coming type guy. Wow. And I mentioned the Shere Khan connection. I, I got Byron kind of there was a long route to get there from uh from William Blake, who is also a poet. <laughs> and who once wrote a poem about tigers. And anyway, we don't have to go Famously, famously. Famously. So Byron Blood, welcome to the next wrestling fan wrestling promotion. Also welcome to the person who was formerly simply known as David. And I don't really have any other information about David, but the name did make me think of the statue. Ooh. And so as a result, I'm thinking that David's character has to be kind of a very built kind of muscular oh, Adonis wow. type, right? So beautiful that people like just stare. Yes, exactly. And uh, the name that I have come up for this character is Prometheus Jones. Oh, that's very so, clever. Big and, and buff and muscular and, and Greek god-esque. There's a long history of that kind of wrestler. And the most recent addition to that lineage is Prometheus Jones. Thank you guys so much, David and Alexander, for uh, your support of the next wrestling fan. We really appreciate it. Hope you appreciated your wrestler names. And uh, yeah, if you're interested in getting your wrestler name yourself, you can go over to patreon.com slash NXT wrestling fan, sign up for a $2 pledge, $5 pledge gets you more stuff, including uh, early access to every episode, $10 pledge. You get the championship. I do want to say one thing about Prometheus mm. Jones that I yeah. know for a fact. Okay. Is that whenever Prometheus Jones enters, Prometheus Jones doesn't actually walk in. It's just a plinth is rolled in and he's already on it in the David pose. Oh, I love it. They just like roll him to the ring and like pick him up and put him in the center. And only then. Yeah, he's like he comes to life. I fucking love that. <laughs> and I want to say, you know, Byron Blood burning bright in the forest of the night. But I don't <laughs> I can't do it with wrestling. So I'm trying to think of what the wrestling one. If I crack that, if I crack that William Blake pastiche, I will let you know, Byron Blood. Other thing we wanted to make sure we reminded you guys of is that. This very weekend. Yes, this very Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, so if you're listening to this as a regular listener tomorrow, uh, as this episode comes out, and if you're listening to this as a $5 or a patron in a few days as this episode is released, we are doing our most recent, uh, our latest wrestling watch party via cast. Yes, and we're going to watch a tuxedo match, and I'm going to be delighted. Yeah, we're going to watch a tuxedo match. We're going to watch some other uh, fun stuff. This episode, we talked a lot about Rob Van Dam. I think we might throw a Rob Van Dam match in there. So it's going to be a really good time. The Facebook event is actually already made, and it's, it's available. Yes. You can find it in the Smash Fiction Fan Faction on Facebook, which if you're not already a part of, you ought to be. Um, so go check it out there. And we will also put out notifications for the cast video chat room on our Facebook and Twitter and what have you. Yes. So keep an eye out for that and come join us and watch some wrestling. It's going to be a really good time. It is. We have a really good time on this show, but now, unfortunately, as always, it comes to an end. But we will be back in two weeks with another episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Bye.
The Next Wrestling Fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman with logo design by Claire Mulcairn. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. Visit our website at nxtwrestlingfan.com for show notes, episode transcripts, and more. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. The funniest thing about it, though, was that even though rematch clauses... I'm sorry. From a narrative storytelling standpoint, the rematch... Ugh, God. Rematch clause. Clause. Ah. Clows. Clows. Oh, is there a comfortable <laughs> way of doing this with you here? And without I you grabbing my that. headphones? I it don't seems know. like there's not a good way to hold a baby and record a podcast. <laughs> I think there might be. Well, let's do it. You wear him as a stole just around <laughs> your neck. <laughs> That's a stole. <laughs> yeah, like a tiny mink. No, no, I know what it is. It's just funny for a choice. Anyway. <laughs> oh.